as a business owner, you spend a significant amount of time and money helping potential customers find your business. When you launch new marketing campaigns or products, do you have a plan in place for handling more calls and questions? Well, you don't need to hire and train someone. Just sign up for Abby Connect. Abby Connect provides business owners with a professional and courteous customer care team specifically trained on your business. There's over 100 hours per week of answering coverage included, but you get to choose exactly when you need the help. Abby's team can transfer calls to you in the office or on the go and can also send your call information via email, text, or even directly into your CRM. Clients of Abby Connect report a higher volume of new client call conversations, a more efficient workflow, less interruptions, and a renewed focus on the core of their business. I'm telling you, check out their reviews. With Abby Connect helping you with the calls, you can focus on your day-to-day operations and marketing your business knowing your callers are well taken care of. For my listeners, Abby Connect is offering a no-obligation free trial. And after your trial's over, my listeners also will receive 95 bucks off their first bill. But only when you sign up at my special link. It's abbyconnect slash elevate. I mean, it's abbyconnect.com slash elevate. So sign up today, abbyconnect.com slash elevate. That's E-L-E-V-A-T-E to begin having your phones answered today. You know what upsets me? You know what upsets me is when they say profit first can't be applied to creatives. Well, we're going to fix that today. In today's episode, we're going to talk about making your creative business be profitable. We're going to do it with Jessica Abel. You're about to hear that and so much more in today's episode of Entrepreneurship Elevated. Yes! New music, baby. Look at that. Uh, you're getting jacked. Look at Jeremy. Look at Jeremy getting far. I've never seen you this jacked up, Jeremy. <laughs> this is our new tune, at least for now. Yeah. Now, we... We, uh, we got it on a free site, and it says it royalty-free, but still, I, I got to make sure we, we haven't purchased it yet, so I may want to purchase it. We got to purchase it. I like this song. I'm Mike McCallis. I'm the author... Oops, I cut it too quickly. I am the author of uh, many books, and I'm on a mission, J-Bone. I'm on a mission. You too, Sparkle. I'm on a mission to eradicate entrepreneurial poverty. You know... There was a statistic, and quite frankly, I gotta, we got to do our own analysis, but they say 83% of small businesses are surviving check by check. We are out to fix that. So that's my life's mission. You're here to hear the story of how to fix it for your own business. I'm joined in the studio by Kelsey Ayers. Hello, everybody. You can find us. The S is so long in your last name. How many S's are there? 800. 800. 800. Yeah. It's the longest last name on the planet. Who thought you think it'd be like a, <laughs> you think it'd be like a, a Polish name like Mikhailowicz or Ukrainian? It's uh, it's Irish, right? Irish, English, yeah, it's English. Surprise! The English will do anything to one-upmanship other mm-hmm. people. Eight hundred S's. They ruled the world for a long time. That's yeah. how. Yeah. Good Anywho, point. you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Alexa, anywhere, any podcatcher. You know, now I'm thinking that music may not work for us. I love it. I mean, I lo- listen to this. I love it. I love that. The only problem is we don't have like an in and out to it. Like like that's the one piece we have, which is a great in. Yeah. But we need the out to that. Can we hire a mu- what do we hire a musician to do this? Like Tom, we want something like this. Maybe one of our fans can do it. Yeah, okay. That's a great idea. But we don't have time because this doesn't yeah. come out till March. Mm-hmm. Alright. Sure. Well we need music. I love that though. That's that's my favorite so far. Kelsey. Yeah. I want to bribe our listeners before we kick off the show, and I got to ask you something. I think I figured something out as I was going to get our sushi today. Ooh. So here's my question. Uh, here's the, the bribe first. Yum. We are giving away any one of my books published by Penguin. Um, and do, my when I sound like I'm disparaging Penguin, it's I, I hurt the ones I love. Like I love Penguin. I know. I do the same thing. Right. I, you you yeah. like make fun of me so much. I know. Like she really cares. You. She really cares it for is. me. I mean, that's what my family does. Literally. Right, if you care for someone, you hurt them. Yeah. Like we all know that. That's a rule. Yeah. I mean, if you really, I don't do that to anybody I don't care about. No, like everyone knows that. Like if you really love someone, you hurt them. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's basically the rule of love. So I love <laughs> Penguin, and <laughs> so Penguin, um, we've kind of like milked the Penguin teat, so to speak. Mm. 
and they send books out for free, but it's very limited before they get like upset at us. And I, I like now we're doing the blame game. Like, like oh, if they call me, like, Mike, why do you keep on shipping out these individual books to people? I'm like, oh, Kelsey, that's her yeah. fault. They call you and say, why are you doing this? She's like, oh, Mike, he, he misunderstood. So we're 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 doing the point <laughs> the finger thing. That can only go. So Wait, much I long. can do that. Oh, you haven't been doing? Yeah. Oh, b- blame me. It stretches it a little bit longer. You can milk it just one more pop. Well, I think this is where we're approaching the end now. You can get a free copy of one of my published books from Penguin if you do a, a simple bribe. Go to our podcast post, wherever you listen, Stitcher, iTunes, iTunes. There's got to be one more. Spotify. Yeah, you always got to give. I actually don't know if you can you read on do, Spotify. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Go There's anywhere. There's a lot that you, that you can't actually read on. So wherever you can. You, yes, technically review, review the book. On. Do a if review. If not, do it on our site. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's kind of, that's okay. I know. That's okay. We don't care about our site. <laughs> <laughs> Go to other sites and then uh, post it. Take a screenshot of the completed post. Like people are like, oh, I was typing it in. We're like, no, 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 no. You've got to actually post it. Take a screenshot. Email to Kelsey. It's K E L S E Y. A-Y-R-E-S is her last name. S-S-S-S. 800 times. <laughs> Don't do that. It's no. just K-E-L-S-E-Y oh, at MikeMichalowitz.com. Send, send, all right, that one works too. Send a <laughs> screenshot there and then tell us your mailing address so we can mail you the book. Now, here's the one thing that stinks. you got to be in the U.S. Shipping international, we just can't do it. We can't, we can't milk Penguin that much. So, I mean, some people have tried to get it, but you got to be in the U.S. Um, that's our ethical bribe. Or unethical. I don't know if it's really ethical, quite frankly. Um, here's what I found out, Kels. What'd you find out? I discovered what the worst birthday is for every single human being on this planet. What? 25th birthday. You want to know why? The day you turn 25, J-Bone, you start degrading. Your body starts falling apart. I my, I have a 17-year-old son. Yesterday, the kid sits there. He, he plays video games. I don't think he moves. Like, slugs have more of an exercise regimen than him. He sits down next to me. I'm like, who is this guy? So I push him a little bit to elbow him because he smells like a 17-year-old. I elbow, I'm like, oh my God, I just elbowed like muscle on top of muscle. Yeah. I'm like, and then I, I grab his arm. I'm like, what? The, this guy is like, are you on steroids? It's because he's 17. Every day of your life until you're 25, your body is working for you. It's like, I'm going to build muscle. We're going to look great. Eat those Cheetos. We're cool with it. And then the day you 20, turn 25, your body's like, I'm going to cling on to these Cheetos a little bit longer. Is this a proven fact, this 25 Yes, it's law. (laughs) It's human law. I mean, even the police enforce it. (laughs) I saw this guy down the street, and he was like running, going for a jog, and like he looked really svelte, and the cop pulled him over and said, how old are you? The guy's like, I'm 26. He's like, no, no, sit down, eat these Cheetos right now, you son of a bitch. That's how it works around here. I always heard that was like 30. Well, you heard wrong. You don't know the law. (laughs) (laughs) It's... It's twenty five, <laughs> and you know I think you've met people younger than twenty five that maybe been you know what maybe that's your muscle, your nonsense bullshit British heritage. <laughs> oh, and and where I come from, it's thirty, and we use many s's at the end of our name to extend our names. Oh well, I'm glad you figured out the facts of life. You know, one more thing you can do, Kels? What? You can go to MikeMichalowitz.com or the shortcuts MikeMotorbike.com. We have a free copy of Surge, another one of my books, totally free. So you can go there and download it. You can literally get one book by doing one little thing for us, and then you can get another book by doing nothing. Just go to MikeMichalowitz.com. Oh, actually, you got to give your email address, so that's the hook. And then we'll email you Surge. All right. We're good? Oh, do we have any listener mail? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I've been waiting. This comes from... Jay Roca. Hey, Jay. What's up, brother? Another iTunes reviewer. So he says, upon finishing Profit First, I jumped right into the podcast and have been binging it ever since. I love the banter and the realness aspect to the show that you don't hear much on other business podcasts. The guests are phenomenal and very knowledgeable, as well as entertaining. Bruh. Oh, we got to do inappropriate laugh button again. Like when someone says something serious, now we hit this. <laughs> like, your show's amazing. <laughs> That's not, I like I how you talked through that, but didn't actually do it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay. So, I want to thank our corporate partners, which mm-hmm. I know last week I said we got to get more corporate partners, you know? Mm-hmm. But that hasn't broadcast yet, so we're recording these in advance. But I think if you're a listener to the show and you want to get great exposure for your business, what better thing than to have someone promoting you from their heart? Yeah. I mean, I love Nextiva and their True Voice system. I mean, 
every time I make a call on that, I'm like, my sells vo- itself practically. It sells itself. Like you can actually hear the person's real voice. And then, and then when when it comes to receipt bank, I just used it today. When I ran out to get the sushi, they gave me a receipt and they said, "Do you want to keep this receipt?" I said, "I just want to take a picture of it." And they said, "Why?" I'm like, "I suffer from ass welts." <laughs> and they're like, "What?" And I'm like, "This is a real issue." And now I feel uncomfortable at my own sushi store. This is really <laughs> uncomfortable for both of us. And then I had to explain, and I'm actually getting a little bit emotional no. just thinking about explaining my issues. You know who's solved that for me? Who? Please tell me who. Receipt Bank. That's and right. listen, we'll promote your business just like that. <laughs> um, fictional stories that go on and on and on. And on and on and on. Okay. Her name is Jessica Abel. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, it's Jessica Alba. I said that? Really? Oh, no, it was me. Was that me? I mispronounced <laughs> yeah. her name. It's Jessica Abel. Jessica Abel is an author of the graphic novel, oh, La Perdita. I hope I said that correctly. Uh, and... Two textbooks about making comics, drawing words and writing pictures, and mastering comics. Her book, Out in the Wire, is about how the best radio producers in the world, not us, in uh, use story to keep us listening. See, Kals? Mm-hmm. It's that sushi story that kept you in. Yes. She has a blog and her book, Growing Gills, How to Find Creative Focus When You're Drowning in Your Daily Life. And... Uh, Jessica has implemented Profit First, her own version of it in her business, and we're going to discover how you, my creative friends, can do the same for yourself. A big welcome to the show. Welcome, Jessica. Welcome, Jessica. Hi. Thanks for having me. How are you? Did, hey, did I pronounce, uh, is it La Perdida? Yeah, that's fine. Oh. Is that is that a Spanish word for something specific? That I don't know? Uh, it means the lost one. Oh. So the, the main character is a young... Uh, American woman who sort of almost on a whim moves to Mexico City and then um, she she has a, a absentee Mexican father, but she's, you know, an Anglo kid and sort of trying to find her identity there. And because she's um, very uh, naive and has a lot of preconceptions about how this should all work out, things go very badly. Oh, this is, this is good already. So um, have you visited Mexico City? I actually lived there for a couple of years. Yeah, wow. bingo, bingo. Because I hear when when an author writes a fiction story that many authors actually are expressing their own personal experiences. Is that what you're doing? No, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you weren't uh, La Perdita. It is absolutely fictional. Absolutely 100% fictional. Yep. But you reference uh, <laughs> stuff in Mexico City that you've experienced. I mean, you must know the culture and flavor to oh, really express it. Yeah, I mean, well, I know it as an expat, you know, as she is. So definitely I couldn't have done this book without having lived there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's totally informed by my experience there. But my experience was, you know, I'd say 95% positive. It was awesome. I loved it. And so... Um, it was not the the story is not about what happened with me. So you're a cartoonist, an author, a comic artist, which I don't maybe that's the same as cartoonist. What is it? What's the life of being a creative in, in that nature, especially the business life? What's it normally like? Oh, it's challenging <laughs> to say the least. Um, so being a cartoonist is um, being an author. Um, because when you say cartoonist, you mean the person who both writes and draws, as opposed to a comics artist who might be somebody who only draws. Oh, comics. I did not know that that differentiation. I mean, you know, it's pretty interchangeable, but you know, it's a little bit. There's a little bit more to it. Um, so anyway, when you're a cartoonist, you have you know the same need to develop stories and books fiction or nonfiction, you know, Out on the Wire is nonfiction, La Perdita is fiction. I've done a whole bunch of different things as well. My newest book is called Trish Trash, Roller Girl of Mars. So, you know, kind of all over the place. So you write the book, you develop the characters, you think about the world, you do all the things you need to do as an author, and then you have to draw it. Um, And that's, it's just a very lengthy and demanding process, which means that, um, in an ideal world, you'd get paid for that labor, um, by selling more books or charging more for them or getting paid more in advances. But in the real world, you don't. You more, are more likely to get paid less for it. Um, well, I don't know, less. I'm, I'm just making that number up. But you know, certainly not more than any other author. Um, and the, the, I've never worked in the traditional comic book world, really. You know, Marvel, DC Comics, and that's a whole different um, model. It's paid by the page, generally speaking. 
but you know, I'm much more. I've been published by um, our, you know, we are we are co-publishees of the Penguin Random House. Uh, oh, world. So out on the wire is Broadway Books and La Perdita is Pantheon. So those are different imprints of. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh! Now so, I have total respect for you. <laughs> I did before, <laughs> but now. <laughs> Now you know that we actually are. Yeah, I, I don't Brother think there's a word for being co-publishees, but anyway, published by the same publisher. Mm. And so, you know, you know how that whole system works from the inside. And it's, you know, um, I was, I've been able to get what people think of as good advances for my books, for the kind of book that I do, but um, I've never sold massive numbers. Mm. And so I don't, generally earn book I don't earn out which means pay back the advance so um, and that's much it's way more typical for authors than which I'm sure your situation is that you make royalties on your books because you you know sell large numbers Um, but for the vast majority of authors they never sell out they never earn out so uh, we gotta call an audible right now we gotta get Jessica on author up could you make Mm -hmm. a note of that Kelsey so we have uh, Jessica just so you know and now our listeners Mm -hmm. know we have another kind of sister podcast we're doing about authorship because there's so much misunderstanding about it and uh i'm doing it with my uh my co-writer but i come from a business you know non-fiction she comes from some fiction but you introduce yet another thing this creative um component i'd love to have you on the show so just yeah, yeah i'd love to do that so what Definitely. a lot of people don't know about writing books is you have to put all the effort in up front and i Tell me if this is true, Jessica, for you. Like with the first book you write, it's not like you know Penguin or anyone comes to you and says, "Oh, here's a wad of money. Go write the book." You have to prove yourself. So, if oh it, yeah, it's years of effort. At least in my case, it was actually almost five years of effort to to write books and then promote them before I ever caught the eye of someone. And uh, and the hope is to get the money on the back end in some of these little microtransactions. Oh, hopefully someone will pin, spend twenty dollars my book, which means I'll net four dollars. And you got to do this over and over again to make your money. Is that the same kind of life that you had experienced or have experienced? Or are I mean, pretty close. Like I, I started in the comic book world, but in alternative underground comic books. So my first publisher, um, to speak of, I had little stories here and there, but my first publisher was Fanographics Books, mm-hmm. um, which is you know a really well-known sort of alternative underground publisher. And um, I had a series with them of individual comics. And so, yes, I still had to produce them ahead of time. And I had to self-publish as a mini comics artist for – you know, five years before they picked me up. And then I worked with him, them for about five, six years before I published with Pantheon. So, you know, it was a long transition to being what we now think of as being a quote unquote traditionally published author. So how do you, and that's what I've been doing for the last couple years or so. When, when you're going from publisher to publisher, kind of scratching along in the beginning. Well, that's the thing. This is so, you know, you, the thing I didn't understand and nobody tells creatives, like nobody talks, well, nobody tells anybody this really. I mean, I think your book is one of the, you know, sort of a great um, primer on like, how does this all work? For me, it was anyway. Um, Because I don't, I think most people are not ever taught about how any kind of business model works. Like what, what is this thing? How is it supposed to work? How are you supposed to make a living from this? It's just like, you get a check, you spend the check. You know, there's no understanding of, of, um, how to plan your life if you're not in a salaried job. Um, and I've, you know, I teach art and that's one of the ways I've made a living, um, in the midst of all of this other stuff. So initially I had a day job and then I was teaching adjunct, then I was not teaching. And now I'm actually a full-time professor as well as running my own business. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's one of the typical ways that artists will make it work is by teaching or doing some other, you know, running art camps or doing private lessons or doing some other kind of art related thing that's typically extremely badly paid. Um, And, you know, the same for authors, you know, teaching writing workshops and doing other kinds of things like that. And um, it's, we're just not taught how to do this. Like when you get an advance and, you know, even so you've already worked on the book for X amount of time, even if you're an established author and you can get an advance, you know, while you're working on it, you get a third of it up front when you sign the contract after you've done a whole bunch of work on the proposal and the, you know, first chapters, you get a third of it when you turn it in. So in my case, three years later, 
Um, and then you get a third of it when it's published. So in my case, like six months after that, right? So hold on, hold on. Pantheon's giving you a third, a third, a third. I only get a quarter, quarter, quarter. I'm getting ripped off. Yeah, I got a good agent. What can I tell you? Oh my God. <laughs> I get a quarter on signing the contract, quarter on delivery of the manuscript, quarter on print date, and then quarter one year after print date. Yeah, well. Oh my God. I want your agent. You can you question know who my that. agent is? Nobody. That's why. <laughs> okay. But so, then I never see any, I never see a penny after that. So, you yeah, know, it's, okay. it, it evens out. Yeah. Um, And, you know, one day I might, it's, it's not, you know, I'm still in the system and everything, but it's like, w- I just never ran the numbers and said, you know, if this is my advance, then how many copies do I need to sell? If I need to sell, you know, 25,000 copies or 50,000 copies of this book in order to earn out 100,000 copies of this book, how am I going to do that? Right. Yeah. You know, out of, outside of like a bolt of light, lightning, how, how does this happen? And then if I'm not going to do that, how do I figure out you know, I get a big hunk of money now. Um, how do I make that last over yeah. time? How long is it going to last? How much? How many other things do I need to do? Like, how how is this going to work? And uh, so, how did that work in the past? So you once you start getting these advances, did I know a lot of entrepreneurs that listen to the show say when a big chunk of money comes in, it seems to be a big chunk of money going away within weeks or months. How was your experience when you got those advances in the past? I've always been really disciplined. Um, I was raised well by my mom, who was a uh, freelancer also. Okay. Oh, so she knew. uh, Yeah. And so she knew, you know, like I I always balanced my checkbook. I always, you know, was paying attention to these things. But I always felt this underlying anxiety. Is it enough? You know, what's going to happen? And that's – it really distorts your thinking. It really distorts the choices that you're making. Um. And, and that I felt that just for so long, just having no transparency into my numbers at all. Um, but so when I would get a big chunk of money, I would, I'm sure I would spend more than I would otherwise have spent, but it, I didn't spend it all out. You know, I would put it in the bank and, you know, basically continue in the same, the same way. And just using, you know, I used Quicken for years, miserable, just like trying to track everything and put things in categories and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So. Welcome yeah. to our new sponsor, Quicken, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> so um, you in, in off air, you were sharing that there's this kind of headbutting between the concept of being an artist, a creative, and being in business. That that they don't go together. It's it's water and oil um, or whatever they say. Well, that's what people think anyway. Yeah. yeah. Why is that? Why do they think that? You know, I don't – I mean, I think it's because – and there's so much mythology that goes into this. It's just so damaging. But it's, you know, the idea is that artists need to be in their own zone. And if you're thinking about numbers, you're thinking about audience, which means you're distorting your work. You're not thinking about the work itself. You're thinking about, you know, how are you going to sell it? What's the value? Um, and I think artists throughout history have done that anyway. Even artists who we think of as being the most kind of, um, you know, in the high tower are you know, they're making work that matches the needs of a high-end collecting community, Mm -hmm. you know, if they're painters or something like that, right? Mm -hmm. So I don't think that, you know, the idea that anybody can be isolated from that is, I think, just a misperception. But there's this basic feeling like an artist needs to stand away. An artist is, you know, this whole right brain, left brain thing, which is just bunk anyway. It's not even scientific. It has nothing to do with anything. The idea that that um, artists are not capable of this, that we're too spacey, we're too, uh, you know, just uh, creative and being creative is just the opposite of numbers and, you know, making calculations and, you know, making decisions in this kind of orderly way. And frankly, I think it's a way of keeping creatives down. You know, I think it's, a, we are the ones who create the vast majority of value that's exchanged in our culture. And we are the ones who are not getting paid, you know, when this all comes. <laughs> it's true, right? Yep. I mean, and, and creatives, but what about creatives like uh, someone that creates advertisements and stuff? There's tremendous value in that. Do you feel that there's a certain point where people kind of jump the shark and they leave behind the the true essence of what being a creative is and then go into this commercialized version? 
Or is that also a myth? Oh, yeah. No, that can totally happen. And you have to be on guard for that. Um, But the idea that you're not capable of making those distinctions or even within your own work saying, well, this work that I'm doing right now is a little bit more on that end of the spectrum. And um, this other work is, um, you know, it's on the commercial end of the spectrum and I'm doing it for an audience. And I understand that this work over here is work that's really much more self-directed and, you know, whatever. I think we're capable of doing that. You know, we can understand those things without having everything be spoiled. Um, even in an individual book proposal process, you know, my book Out on the Wire is um, stems from work I did in the late 90s with Ira Glass on This American Life um, about how they make their show. And that, uh, so I made a short comic with him, um, 30 pages or so, that just sort of um, got sold from their website for 10 years. Mm. But it it was the only text at the time out there about how do you make this kind of narrative radio? And so, um, and I flatter myself, it's pretty good too. So like people kept buying it, you know, and it became the text for anybody who wanted to learn this kind of work. Um, and I saw that there was really a market need for more information about how to make great narrative radio. And uh, went to Ira with it. And he was like, I'm not getting involved in that again. That was a lot of work. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, he's a busy man. Um, but so I, I basically altered the proposal so that it was, he didn't need to be in the creation side of it. He, I would interview him and he would be involved, you know, in that sense. And he was totally interested in that and wanted the book to exist and was supportive of it. And then I went ahead and did the book. And so the whole proposal was like, there's a market for this. People want this. There's, you know, something's mm-hmm. ha- this was in 2011 mm-hmm. or so. So it's pre podcast boom, but it's still, you see things, you know, things were coming down the pike. Mm-hmm. And so um, that inspired my effort to put the proposal together and sell it. Um, but once I sold it and I was working on it, it was entirely a creative process from inside me and what I wanted to say about narrative and how I saw um, the uh, information coming from these different podcasters and, and producers and how I could um, pull it together into something coherent, something really um, a real statement about what are the elements of narrative and how do you make it well. Um, and that's a dance you have to do. So then it's done and I turn it in and then it's like, well, what's the cover going to look like? And what, how do we write the marketing copy? And I'm again thinking, what's the value and how do I communicate it to people? So, you know, and even while I'm in the middle of it and I'm very much going from my own creative heart and making the work, I'm thinking, is this communicating? Yeah. Will people understand this? Yeah. You know, and I think that all of those, that complexity is something you live with as a creator. But this stuff, you know, you're sharing also off air, this stuff's not taught in creative school. You go there and they want you to really step into self-expression, I think, and you're not learning anything about finances. So a lot of creatives listening to this right now are like, you know, I just got to do the best of what I am and maybe someone will find me. But it sounds like you you're using profit first and maybe other systems. How did you bring in that business aspect into your business yet not lose the creative side, not sell out? I just don't think it is. It's not, it's irrelevant. (laughs) You know, the idea of selling out, like, because you're trying to make a living and feed your family is like, I mean, give me a break. It's, and it's, it's a, a shaming kind of thing that creatives throw at each other. And, you know, again, I think it's a control mechanism. I think it's all about like, stay in your lane. Don't try to do something different. Don't, you know, um, don't take control of this aspect. Um, and I, I resent it, frankly. Um, and I teach, I do teach to my students, I teach professional, professional practice and, you know, how to think about this as a business from day one when they meet me. Um, because I feel like when students, if, if somebody is out there and wants to make art or some kind of creative work, um, cause I also teach a lot of people in my, you know, in my own program, my coaching program that are trying to build businesses and doing other work that is inherently creative, but is not quote unquote art. But at art school, if you're going to go to art school, you are declaring by showing up and paying mega bucks for it and getting into debt for it, that you want to be in business. Mm-hmm. You know, you want your art to be a business and kids do not understand this. You know, parents come to, you know, um, admissions and they say, 
what are the career prospects? Right. <laughs> you know? Right. And I'm like, it's entrepreneurship. You know, this this is you have to build something that will work. And it and there's so many different ways that that can happen. There's there's such a huge variety of ways people can make it work. But people tend to go, okay, well then I, I'm gonna graduate from art school. I guess I've got to get an adjunct teaching job because there's nothing else I can do. Or I'm gonna go work at an art supply store because I don't know how to do anything else. And that's it's not true. You know, it's it's again, it's a sort of control mechanism. Um, so I think I got off your original question, which was like, how did I do it? Yeah. Yeah. You know, to be in my bonnet, what can I tell you? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, It's interesting. I met a guy who was a rock stacker. These guys who assemble rocks, like they just use gravity to, uh, you know, have the rocks stick together effectively. Drywall. Yeah. Not even drywall. He was just building these artistic forms. Dry stone. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Dry stone. Dry stone. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, he looked at me and says, you know, it's a shame. I'll never make money doing my passion. And my challenge to him, I said, well, is there anyone doing this that's making money? He goes, oh, here's one guy. He makes a million dollars a year because he makes these magnificent sculptures out of just gr- using gravity as the adhesive. One of them looked like a hot air balloon. and was not that size, but it was close. And uh, he was cover- you know, it was covered in National Geographic, and, and people are touring to see him. And, and he's made all these ways of making income from it, teaching others to do this and doing exhibitions. And my thought back to this this particular fellow, fellow was, hey, if that guy can do it, why why not you? And I, mm-hmm. I assume, Jessica, in in any creative market, you probably have th- those really successful uh, creatives that have made this into a business. Is that true? Absolutely. And but people who haven't made it assume that that happened via you know a lightning strike. Right. Right. The good luck. Yeah, you know? Exactly. Yeah, just good luck. Or they just happen to be, you know, charismatic or something. But people, we are creative. And creating a business is a creative act. Like mm-hmm. figuring out how to do this is all about creativity. It's all about really thinking through the options. That's awesome. Yeah, you got the hallelujah button for that one. <laughs> it's totally true. Right? You're creative, so do it. Now, let's talk about specifically what you did. Uh, I know you've implemented Profit First. You have your own version of it. How did you, you double your revenue? You've increased your profitability. Tell us the secret, so to speak. Well, I just started actually paying attention to the numbers and the ratios, the way you talk about in Profit First. So, you know, I created a spreadsheet um, and put in, you know, track, started tracking numbers but quarterly. And then now I'm doing it monthly. You know, what's my revenue? What am I spending on X, Y, and Z? Uh, and, you know, I, I have percentages that I'm trying to hit. So I'm not doing it with a bazillion different accounts the way you recommend, um, because I've always felt comfortable doing it with tracking rather than doing it with physical accounts. Like I'm not somebody who feels tempted to empty the account if it's sitting in front of me. Um, and I use YNAB for that. I, you know, divide oh, stuff up tool. using We had the founder, YNAB. Jesse, come on our show and tell, share about YNAB. I love YNAB and especially for people who are sort of small time businesses like me, not small time, but small businesses, you know, single business, fairly not uncomplicated. You can use it as a business. And, um, and I find it amazing to get the kind of transparency into what's happening in my business six months out, which I just never had before. It was my biggest frustration in the past. And how do you Um, handle the seasonality? I don't know if it's really seasonality. Well, that's how I do it. So when I, so right now, um, I am still an author. You know, I have books out there. I'm, you know, thinking about a new book. I have a new book coming out actually in a few days. You know, Trish Trash is coming out in a few days. Um, But I have started a business business in the sense that I started first a course and then a group coaching program called the Creative Focus Workshop. Um, which is designed to help creative people um, create space in their lives for the really big projects that never seem to get finished Mm. um, and help them really do the work that matters to them. So, but this program is a twice a year program that I launch. And um, so the next launch is going to be in late January. And so when I have a launch, I get a big chunk of money coming in and then you know, some people pay monthly, so I get a little bit monthly after that, and then it trickles out, you know, and then I have another launch. And so it's in some senses, although it's more frequent than an advance for a book, it's the same kind of basic thing where I get a big chunk of money and then I have to make it last. And so what I do is I have all these percentages every month when money comes in, I put um, 
a percentage into a savings account, a savings line in YNAB for taxes, for profit, mm-hmm. for you know salary, um, and various things that I need. Also, I save for all of my subscriptions, digital subscriptions. So, like, which I have way too many of, as usual. Um, but you know, tracking expenses, tracking teams, saving money for you know contractors that I I work with, and so when I get you know, I have a, a great month and I'm, you know, it's like a big five, fig, five, five figure month and I'll like divide it up and it just sits there, you know, and gets spent down over time. And because I'm tracking in a spreadsheet over an annual basis, I can see where I'm at in terms of percentages. And I also can schedule out payments to various things over months ahead. I so it. I can look in you know, February and see like, well, I better make $3,000 if I'm going to make February, you know, but I, I know that number. I love it. We, um, this kind of just gives our listeners a puritanical version of this. Um, we, Kels got in a $60,000 royalty check for Profit First, I think three months ago or something, mm-hmm. right? We have an account. What's the account called? This Drip. Drip, yeah. So we have an account called Drip. We put the 60000 in there and then every... Uh, two weeks, every tenth and twenty fifth, or, or we're doing. Are we it's doing weekly. weekly? We do it weekly. We take out a sliver of that, for and we're doing it over six months because we know in six months, because you can. Pre- the one benefit of being an author is you know what your sales have been, and royalty checks get delayed like a long time, like six <laughs> months to a year. So you actually know what's coming the next time. So we can anticipate to some degree, but we've carved that money up in the past. Like a sixty thousand dollar check, I'm like, whoa, my god, I'm rich, and then all the money's gone within a day. Now it's like, oh, we got to pay three people, sa- four people salaries now with Jay Boner on board. We, we got to pay four salaries. We got to cover expenses. We had to get some equipment. And just to Jessica's point, and you sell know, profit and tax and, and, and pay our taxes. Bonus. Right. And yep. distribute profit. Uh, we had to carve this money up. So what happens is from the drip, it goes to our income account. And then from the income account, it goes based upon the profit first percentages to our different accounts. So same thing. YNAB is a very comprehensive tool. Um, so Jessica, what do you what do you suggest to creatives that are listening? Like, how do they even get started? Maybe this is too much to take on. Why NAB? It sounds like it's so complex. Profit first. It's so many accounts. Is there a shortcut to getting started? Hmm, that's a good question. I I mean, I think the, the short answer to that is you have to start adding up your numbers. Looking, you know, you just have to start, you know. I guess number one is have a separate business account. Have one, yeah. <laughs> you know, which I didn't. I didn't. I didn't need it because I did it. I did the separation like within my system within Quicken. I would have it categorized out. But once I did it, I was like, "Why didn't I do this a million years ago? This is so much easier. It's you know so much more transparent." And so um, have two accounts. That's the first step. And then when you have those two accounts, when money comes in, you divide things up into these percentages. And I think having separate accounts like you recommend is probably a really good idea for a lot of people because it helps them see, you know, where, like when it's in their tax account, they know they can't touch it. And that's always a big problem. Um, So have at least a tax account separated out. Um, And that would be like at that basic level, that's going to help a ton. Um, but if you don't know what your monthly expenses, your average expenses are, you should know that. Yeah. That's something you can totally figure out from your bills in the past. The problem is that if you're not using any systems at all, if you're not using YNAB, you're not using some other kind of tracking thing, you know, even Mint, whatever, right. um, then doing the work of figuring out what your expenses is feels completely overwhelming. Right, mm-hmm. right. If, if you don't understand the, the principle of categorization of of expenses like this is this kind of expense this is the you know grouping things together and having them clump together in some kind of automated system it's just it's like an impossible task it's completely ridiculous and so I, I wonder if those are basics i guess yeah yeah that's extremely helpful i wonder tell me if this is true that as you do this in your business you get a real sense of what your creative work is producing and you're doing other supplemental work you're doing the teaching and so forth but I presume you also have a measurement now knowing that if your books perform a certain level, if your cartoons perform at a certain you know, financial level, that that will then adequately supplant the need to be teaching and you can kind of further ramp up the work in that area. My, my question is, do you have a better sense of what 
and how much profit and revenue is being yielded by your core creative activities? Yes. So in addition to the monthly tracking, I also have a different spreadsheet that I use where I break down my revenues and expenses by project. Uh, um, and that's a little more complicated to put together because yeah. how do you define what expenses for what thing? And you know, I have a sort of baseline of um, subscriptions and things that I need for lots of different things. And I just put that in, you know, just divided by percentage or whatever into the different columns. But um, even if you have just kind of a rounded number, uh, you can look at it, you know, you can look at this as you know, basically, even if you aren't doing this scientifically, you know, basically how much time you're spending on one thing versus another thing. If you're spending 25 hours a week on one project and 10 on the other, you know that it's like a lot more on one than the other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> at least you've got that. So then if you yeah. figure out the numbers, like how much money is coming in for this thing and how much am I spending on putting it together and how many hours, you can figure out an hourly, hourly rate yes. for what you're doing and um, see whether it's worth doing. Yeah, I love that. See whether it's worth doing. Jessica, I'm looking yeah. at the time. We actually got a roll. I want our listeners to uh, to pick up your book. So we have a, a broad type or mix of entrepreneurs that listen in. So why don't you just kind of go through your books? So you have La Perdida. What else do you have? Out, out on the Wire. Well, the things that are probably going to be most relevant yeah. um, for your listeners are Out on the Wire, yeah. um, this, the uh, Storytelling Secrets of the New Masters of Radio, yeah. um, which is a comic book and is about – you know, it's the, the narrative techniques of 25 of the best podcast and and radio producers. Love it. Um, and then the other one is Growing Gills, which is a book about creative focus, how to make time for your big creative projects. And that includes building a business. How do you make time for the strategic, big thinking stuff you need to do as a business owner to really make it work? I love it. And if you're creative out there and you're listening and you're like, I have no idea what Jessica was talking about, which I don't know why you'd be listening to this show if you didn't. But anyway, (laughs) if you are, I also have a post, which I'm sure you guys can link to, where I have like a little basic spreadsheet to figure out what your business model is. Yeah, for sure. But what can you get? Tell us the link on the air is like some long nasty thing. Yeah. uh, Let me see if I can get the link. Uh, Nasty girls, nasty boys. Oh yeah, it's easy. Uh, JessicaAbel.com. That's J-E-S-S-I-C-A-A-B-E-L.com slash business hyphen models. Okay, business dash models. And uh, yeah, we'll absolutely put that in the show links. Jessica, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Jessica. Thanks a lot. This was really fun. Yeah, it was cool. All right, um, Kelsey, here, you know what we're going to do, Kelsey. We're going to recap what we learned from Jessica. We are going to thank our corporate partners. And uh, do we have a listener mail again today? Mm -hmm. Okay. We, we have a good flow of listener mail. Yeah. Cool. First, let's thank our corporate partners. You know, I need the new sound effect. I need the... Yeah, I thank our corporate partners. Um, do you want to talk about them? Yeah, sure. All right, why don't you tell us about that? So first is Nextiva. Yeah, I heard they have some special features on their phone system. Yeah, like this true voice feature. Oh, yeah. Everyone knows about that. Yeah. So it's your actual voice. Yep. Not some weird crazy thing that happens on everybody else's phone isn't that crazy it is who knew it existed even our podcast like you know we have this equipment here is worth i don't know five six thousand dollars new right we've the voices it sounds good but it's not our true voice yeah right jeremy you can't get anywhere even when you're talking to someone face to face they they've discovered scientifically it's not their true voice no only through next Eva. only through next Eva's voice phone system yeah yeah amazing amazing Nextiva.com. Nextiva.com. Yeah. yeah. The other one you is definitely receiving. sound hotter in person. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, J Bone. Did you see J Bone? Your real voice is as not I'm talking, sexy at all. It's not really not. As I'm uh, talking about the money that came in and distributed, he starts scrolling something down on his notepad there and he holds it up and goes, I'm cheap, by the way. <laughs> so he's a cheap, cheap date. All right. So what um so what what's our other sponsor? Receipt Bank. They have some amazing benefits too. Yeah, what, like they prevent scoliosis. Yeah, did you hear about that? Yeah, I did. That's, and ass welts. And I'm sorry. Ass welts. I, I cannot hear you. It's not coming through. Ass welts. Really? Mm-hmm. So here's what. <laughs> Jeremy, make sure we cut that out because we're going to make that one of our sound effects. Like when someone, when a, when a, when a guest says something like, and we disagree, we're going to have you saying ass welts. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, re- I heard there is now scientific literature in the Boston Medicine Journal. Journal. It always is in journal. Saying that scoliosis 
is first of all, it's deadly. <laughs> a lot of people didn't know that. <laughs> Secondly, there's been no solution for this. Like nothing. Until they tried Receipt operation Bank. until Receipt Bank. Yeah. yeah. You're, you're jumping the shark. I, you're, you're, I had you, to cut it off. Yeah, okay. I know. <laughs> Don't you want us to promote your business this way? I mean, think about the business that will flock to you. Yeah. Email Kelsey. Kelsey. And Mike you have Kelsey. no control over oh, yeah. narrative. That's the only rule. Yeah. We'll mention your name, but we could slam you, <laughs> make fun of you, but people will be engaged. Um, and trust me, we'll love you too, because we actually love both these companies, so, and we use their businesses. So if you're interested, email Kelsey. You know the email by now, Kelsey with a K at MikeMcCallows.com. Just say, hey, I want to sponsor a show or two, and uh, we'll line you up. All right, Kels, what'd you learn today? So what'd you learn so what'd today? You learn oh, you're today? good. Thanks. I like how you do it with your gritting your teeth. What yeah. did you learn today? That's the most effective way to sing, don't you know? It is. So first of all, I love that she wrote a comic book for an informational book on oh how gosh. to do radio narrative. Oh my gosh. Like that's so smart. Yeah. And so effective, right? Yeah. Um, but more importantly, I love how she said creating a business is a creative endeavor. So as a creative, you are perfectly aligned to being a business owner. Like that is a complete myth that you cannot do it. And I feel like like she explained using a system like Why Not and Profit First takes away the scary aspects of numbers, right? And money. Yeah. Because it really gives you so much clarity and it takes that emotional stress away like anybody can do it you have complete control and power to do this and to live the life you dream doing the thing that you love you yeah know? yeah um you know i wonder if we should talk to penguin because jessica and i are both working with penguin different imprints i'm with portfolio she's with pantheon but one thing michael port did with his book book yourself solid is he produced a um sorry released a cartoon version i wonder mm. if we do a cartoon version of profit first yeah well, can you make a note of that somewhere? Mm-hmm. Just write write something somewhere somehow. But maybe Jessica could be interested. But maybe I gotta talk with Penguin first and see if we can persuade them. So here's my big takeaway, Kels. Mm-hmm. That there is this insidious kind of clawing at each other as creatives. Yeah, right. Yeah, I don't like, it's like it. survival of the fittest. Like, like I'm gonna knock you down because I, I can't do it. Or yeah, no, or, or you, oh, you're insecure. making money. You're making money selling jewelry. You're yeah. you're you're. you're you're a sellout. <laughs> I was trying to call. I was going to call you a worse word, but do you remember like listen to this. prior to recent years? I think particularly like the punk rock movement, yeah. where like nobody could sign with a record label otherwise they'd right. be a sellout. Like how silly is that? So silly, right? Don't take this opportunity to make money. I mean, and I and I totally get it. You don't want to compromise the art that you're creating, but I feel like if rather than that be the narrative, rather than that be the 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 thing that gets talked about it just be like make sure you have a good lawyer representing you that in your contract right from the jump you can't compromise your music you know what i mean like yeah, there's a way yep, I to agree. make money doing the thing that you love without compromising your art and shame on the people who don't commercialize it because you're not exposing to the masses right you know green day is a punk band and i know well, i'm they they're got sellouts, so much so. shit for being sellouts they're yeah. sellouts and they've got so much crap for that and they're like oh well listen to their music it's top 40 pop stuff it appeals to the masses. And so people are being turned on to a new, not new, but the, the punk genre right. that would normally listen to uh, Janet Jackson and Nasty Girls. Yeah. Nasty Boys. But either way, nasty too, everybody. they've also created their own sort of niche, right? They've created this more pop punk niche that didn't necessarily exist prior to that. Yeah, exactly. I, yeah, I think I think that um, it's, it's, a, it's a shame that when one person starts to pursue the financial opportunities to turn this into a business that the rest of the community is trying to pull them back down. They should elevate. They should exalt the person. They should say, how did you do it? We all should do this. It's a shame. So yeah. that was the big aha. But you know what? It's not just creatives. It's in every community. I was touring in Europe and uh, I think it was, I think it was Germany, but no, nah, actually maybe it was Netherlands. I can't remember. It was somewhere in Europe. I do the profit first presentation and I'm like, let's do this guys. Let's increase profit. At the very end, a few people came up to me and said, we, we can't talk about profit here. Yeah. We're embarrassed to be more profitable because then our our colleagues and friends will pull us down. And they actually had a term for it, like gazinkta gazoinkta or something. You know, something mm, that sounds right. It sounds pretty accurate. That when someone starts to excel, their community pulls them back down. Mm-hmm. They, there's that analogy with crabs. When a crab tries to crawl out of a bucket, the other crabs pull it down. Same thing. Yeah. Jeremy, you want to say something? I feel like I wonder if that's indicative of a more um, 
you know, socialist society or a less capitalist, you know, like. I think us Americans. like a free market. It could be. But I think us Americans are weirdos. I, I think, oh, yeah. I think we still had that cowboy kind of mentality. I, I think even um, democracies that are based upon capitalism, I think there's still this social influence and power that pulls you down. I don't know. J-Bone, J- what did you want to say as you die for that microphone? Uh, another uh, word for the uh, T-shirts. It's Gazintagzoink. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Could you write this stuff down, Because You're not on top of this. Thanks, I, dude. I, like, steal trap. Yeah. I don't need to write it down. It's egregious <laughs> that you say that, because I don't fall for that. Um, all right, we want to know- I remembered every single word that you made up, oh, so. God, I adore you. And the thing is, you actually do. <laughs> um all right, guys. So we want to know what you learned too. You can uh, share that in the reviews and all that stuff. Um, I do want to oh, answer listener mail real quick, right? Mm-hmm. You've got mail. Pattern baldness. Okay, so this one comes Oops, from. I pushed the wrong button. Oh. Hold on. Okay, <laughs> there it is. People are laughing. Yeah. <laughs> so this comes from Dave King. He writes, "We are now moving into the black. Thankfully, I want to set up a profit account, but was wondering if I should pay off my line of credit first or do both." Dave, Dave, Dave. Always take your profit first. I don't care how much debt you have, how much your credit line's maxed out, you must start taking profit first. Now, we're not going to ignore that debt, but if we don't get in the habit of starting taking profit today, you'll never get there. I bet you, I bet you, Dave, your entire business life since you've had that debt, you've been trying to whack it away, right? But it's not going away. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to set up that profit account, allocate money toward profit starting immediately. Then when profit distribution comes out, we actually use it to pay debt. A small portion of it still goes to you. But now we're in the habit of building profit. We will use it to eradicate debt. And when the debt's gone, you now have established such a strong profit habit that next check after all the debt's gone goes to you. So profit first always. Mm, mm, mm. All right, Kelsey, anything else you want to start sharing before we wrap up? That's it. But please leave us a review and take a screenshot and send it to me, Kelsey at MikeMcCallowitz.com. I couldn't say anything better than that, Kelsey. All right, Kelsey, as always, a joy. J-Bone, a joy. And uh, I'll see you guys next week. Bye. All right, later all. Kazinktika Zoink. It's the wrong music. Oh, it's the wrong music. Yeah. It is the wrong music, but we're in that we're in that kind of stage where a, a uh, moth or caterpillar turns to a butterfly. It's yeah. like there's larva over us. We look disgusting. Yeah, yeah it's all mixed up together. Speak for yourself. <laughs>